This is Patrick Verrill, and today I am speaking with Annika Hinze, an assistant professor of political science and the director of the Urban Studies program here at Fordham. So the summer of hell has officially ended for New Yorkers who rely on subways and commuter trains to get around. But while the summer part is fading fast, the hell part seems like it's going to be with us for a very long time, thanks to neglected infrastructure. Now, so much of this seems to be the result of a transit system that exclusively serves the New York City metropolitan area, but which is controlled by the state of New York. How unusual is this? Actually, those types of arrangements are quite common. They are really quite common, actually, across the entire United States and quite pervasive when it comes to urban development. They are uh, not a new structure, but an interesting structure that allows informal bargaining between city and state actors. The MTA itself is actually a public benefits corporation, which means that uh, its board consists basically of private actors who are appointed by state and city government. So in a way, they allow a bargaining process between city and state actors, but through a private board, an appointed board. So one of the problems with that is, of course, that this board doesn't have any democratic accountability. If you're appointed, you can hold the elected officials accountable for you know, appointing someone who is incompetent, but you can't really actually hold the boards themselves accountable. For a long time, the federal government hasn't given any sort of money directly to cities. It's always channeled through the states and it's always allocated to the states. And that is often a problem because of course, in a state legislature, the representatives from Schenectady and the representatives from Albany will be interested in public infrastructure projects for Schenectady and Albany and not for New York City. One of the things that urban scholars specifically talk about in that connection is that cities are chronically underrepresented. Aside from transportation, uh, what other areas can you think of uh, that, that are affected by this kind of city-slash-state conflict? Well, a lot of uh, development projects are. You know, if you think of large-scale development projects like the Barclays Center. They often involve private actors too. In the case of New York City, we have the Empire State Development Corporation, which is very similarly structured to the Metropolitan Transit Authority. I know one of the things that makes this area different is that we have three states. So you have a lot of different actors all competing with each other and trying to work together. Can New York learn anything from other cities around the country? Well, in terms of our public transit system, I think we're certainly unique. Uh, no other city in the United States has a transit system this extensive. Maybe we get used to the existence of the MTA and the broad, you know, broad, vast subway network in the city. But, you know, having moved here from Chicago, for instance, I really appreciate it this network and the way it runs because it doesn't of course it has lots of problems but you know as far as as big cities in this country go uh, it's quite unprecedented you know and for how old it is it actually works fairly well it's often really surprising to me because clearly it is extremely under maintained <laughs> when I have visitors from abroad I often have them comment on on how all the trains look like they're from the 1970s and then I always have to respond, well, they are, you know? It may also be a unique issue to maintain that in a way, you know, that, that will actually keep it working. I think what we're lacking here is often a national consensus about that important because Americans love their cars. And so it's much easier to convince 
a state legislature or the federal government to provide funding for you know a new highway or for road maintenance than it is for public transit infrastructure and that's a huge problem it serves a population that often is cannot rely on cars i mean we hear stories all the time about you know the working poor and uh, you know increasingly they're displaced from urban areas because it's become very very expensive to live in cities especially in this city and so once they get you know people are forced to move to the first ring suburbs especially the older first ring suburbs they often become isolated from a good public transit infrastructure and it puts them in a really tough place. And we've, we've seen this with the summer of hell, right? Um, there was the one story about the several hour delay one day that was caused by a power failure and people started weeping on the trains and buses because they thought they might lose their jobs. The U.S. Constitution provides the legal basis for states to exist, like New York and Connecticut and New Jersey, but not cities. Is this a uniquely American phenomenon? American urban scholars always like to think that is very unique to the United States, but I can, I can honestly say that it's not. I think especially big cities tend to be underfunded almost everywhere, and they've sort of become these strange animals. They're, they're loved, equally loved and hated because they provide some sort of excitement, right? People can talk about them, people can visit them. Maybe, you know, people will even see their children move there for a while because it's an exciting life until you kind of get it out of your system and, you know, move somewhere else, settle into a quieter routine. But they're not often taken serious as places where people live every day and cope with everyday issues like transit. And then in addition, there's always the question of how responsible does the federal government feel? And the federal government in most federal democracies does not feel very responsible for cities and urban infrastructure. You know, Berlin came out because of a banking crisis, about, you know, $80 million in debt. And the federal government, even though Berlin is the capital, the federal government said, well, we don't care. You're going to have to resolve this problem by yourself. It sort of reminded me of Fort to City drop dead mm. in the 1970s when, you know, then President Ford uh, talked about New York City's debt crisis. I think in most federal democracies, there's still this idea of, of you know, not necessarily pastoral life, but of smaller cities, right? More manageable life, not the big cities. There are also just, you know, tough projects for the federal government to maintain. If you actually, as a federal government, wanted to care about all the services that cities provide, you would have to make a huge commitment, a huge financial commitment. Growing up in New York, you sort of think you're, everything is unique to you. It's kind of comforting to hear that, no, in fact, the, this, this sort of animosity exists in other places as well. My husband and I will fight about this all the time because he's from Canada and he's a huge hockey fan. But he lived in Chicago for a long time before he moved to New York City and he hates the Rangers. He, you know, he supports his hometown team, which are the Winnipeg Jets, and he will support the, um, the Chicago Blackhawks, um, but not the Rangers, because the Rangers are too big, and they're the New York City team, and everybody knows them, and you know, they're, they have too much money, and all the fans are so cocky, and it's just not, you know, you just can't love the Rangers. And that always pushes my buttons, because I'm from Berlin, which is the biggest city in Germany, and I feel like, I've seen this so many times where people from smaller towns move to Berlin 
and they will not support the local teams, but they will, you know, support their own small town team. And I always feel like you can't live here and, you know, manipulate our sports teams. It's not okay. If you come here and benefit from everything we have to offer, you have to root for our team. <laughs> and so maybe that's the problem with the federal government, you know, or with, you know, people in the state legislatures. They just don't want to root for the big city team.